this is uh, how we work in the body. You know, we love each other. That's uh, we love God and we love each other. What the needs are, we bring them to our Father. He knows what we need. I'll tell you, God loves us more than we realize. And um, what is your name? What is it? Blake. Blake. You know, Blake. When I when I saw you there, I, I said I thought that you were the kind of guy who likes to think of what to do. You know what to do in your heart, but a lot of times you keep it quiet. You don't really do what you think you should do. And there's two two ways to look at that. One is God wants to show you that his ways are better than yours. Even though you think your ways are pretty good, God's ways are better. And if you choose to follow his ways, he will give you the hardest life you've ever had. And that's a good thing. And I say the hardest thing because you're the kind of guy who likes a challenge. You have a lot of inner strength, and, and maybe it's not even tapped into yet. But God has a lot of strength in you to face the challenges that you face. And so you have to choose to do the right thing, even if nobody else is doing it. And stick to what you think, because God is going to train your spirit how to hear from him. And so it's not just your ideas anymore. It's going to be his ideas that are speaking to you about what's the right thing to do. And maybe no one else is going to follow you for a while, but you have to say, stick to that. That's how you're going to use your strength to stick to what is right and to follow God. And God's going to bring you places and, and use you in ways that you would never think. It's, even though it might be hard, it's going to be more joy, more fulfillment, more meaning in your life than you've ever had. than you can ever find a lot of your friends are looking for meaning and stuff. And they watch, people watch your life and see what you do. And, and you're going to be, God is going to be so fulfilled in you. You're going to be so satisfied with God when you learn to obey and listen to his words that people are going to say there's something about you. What is it? And you'll be able to tell them about Christ. I don't think you know Christ enough as much as he wants to show you who he is. He's going to grow that deeper into your life. But I just I saw, saw you there this morning today, and that's, that's what I wanted to tell you. I'm glad you didn't leave. That was for you, all right? That's why we're here today. All right. Now, what do we want to say? Oops, I just wrecked, I just wrecked that. Mark, thanks for putting up with this up, up here. All right. I'll tell you, I feel uh, that worship was a blessing for me. I don't know if, we, if you were blessed by it, but just sometimes I'm just, I am amazed by God's love for us. And, uh, you know, it's so simple, but it's so true. There's nothing more powerful than love. Love is, uh, love is very powerful to be loved and to share love. And, you know, that's exactly what we were made to do. We were made to um, be in God's image. We were made to reflect his likeness. We were made to have his divine nature. And a lot of times, even as Christians, we have a lot of our own image in us. Even as followers of Jesus Christ, we tend to be very selfish and very human. And we have a lot of us in us. And we look like us and frankly, if you look at how people live, there is a lot of selfishness in the world. There's a lot of me-centeredness. And really, believe it or not, the gospel, Jesus came to demonstrate that his life was not for him. It's not about him. It was for the Father. And it was, it was so that in our life we could follow Jesus so it wouldn't be about us. It would be about him. And we get caught up, even in our Christian life, even in our praying sometimes, by cutting a door, uh, as, as if we shut a door to what God wants to do. When we say things like, I'm not worthy, or I can't do that, or God loves other people, but he doesn't love me that way. 
And uh, we, it's as if we say, we, we don't mean to, but we, as if we put up our hand to God and say, thank you, I know you love them, but you can't love me. And we, we're saying no. And that image of ourself, of who we are, that we, when we refuse God, blocks off a lot of the blessings that he wants in our life. So today we're opening the door and letting his love come to you and say, and let you look right at God and get past yourself. You know what? Get over yourself. You know, it's, it's that you don't get in the way, you, of following and knowing God. Let his love reflect on you because he loves you. But it's not about you. It's about him in you so that you can be free to love. Does that make sense? There is a, there's a lot of identity theft in the world. In fact, there's a guy named Will Norton, I think, in, from California, who for several months applied for work, and he was always turned down. He would get accepted. He'd go to interviews, and they would like him. And then, then after a few days, he would get a letter and say, we can't accept you. And pretty soon, he could not find work after being rejected for weeks. He uh, lost his apartment. He started to go bankrupt. And he was saying, what's going on? He, he discovered that uh, several years later, when he lost his wallet, that someone took his identity. And when this someone who stole his wallet uh, was caught by the police, they, he, the, the, theft, the thief gave the police uh, Will's name and social security number. So that went on record as he committed this crime. So when everyone went to do a background check, they found this guy was not trustworthy. They had a criminal record when he's saying, I never did. The truth was he never did. But because his identity was stolen, his whole, everything was cut off. Every good thing that he could have gotten in, in the world was cut off. You've heard about identity theft, right? That's in the natural. You know that's a significant spiritual strategy as well? In the spiritual world, there is as much attempt by the thief. Jesus said he has come to, you know that verse in John ten nine. what are those three things? Rob, kill, and destroy. Rob. One of the things that your enemy loves to take from you is your identity. He likes to unravel your sense of who you are in Christ. And he takes it from you. To, st to stop you from believing or understanding who you are in Christ. And just like Will, who lost his identity in real life, it can be that you are unable to find blessings because your identity is stolen. You're unable to have a ministry because your identity is stolen. So many things are affected by what you think about yourself and who you are. Jesus has come that you might have life and that you might have abundantly. And he has come to make you a son and a daughter. You are a child of God. What does that mean? That means, you know, some of the issues that are in your life that block your way. A lot of times it's a sense of condemnation where you say you can't. But first scripture I want you to turn to is Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 1. 
I want to get somebody out there when you find it to read it for me. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. You have versions of the Bible that you use here? Wow. That's great. What is it? NIV. NIV, that'll work. Somebody somebody find Romans. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. There it is. Ed, you want to read Romans 8 1? Read it out loud. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Read it again, please. There is no what? Condemnation. Okay. How many of you sometimes feel condemnation? You know, you just you have a sense of failure about you. You have a sense of, gee, I can't. You have a sense of, I know God forgave me, but that was a pretty bad sin that I did, so I really have to work that off. You know, th- there is a lot of this Catholic thinking because we are in a this arena that it's ingrained in our humanity to think, I've got to do this. I know God forgave me, but I still have to, you know, finish the sentence, make up for, do penance, do better. This sense of condemnation, I want you to see there is therefore now no, none whatsoever, absolutely zero sense of condemnation for you if you are in Christ. That is, if you have said to Christ, uh, please come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, you are my Lord and Savior, he does that. He I heard it said at a conference recently that that you are prime real estate. That God wants to make his home in you. And you're you're more valuable than uh, a house on the Riviera, believe it or not. Because God shed his blood. How, How valuable is that? He gave his own blood so that he could dwell in you and live inside of you. So you're prime real estate. So God comes and he wants to... You're prime real estate. Right? Are you getting that? <laughs> you know, God lives, he wants you so much that that's what he did he, to, so that he'd buy a place to live in you. And so there is absolutely, in order for God to live in you, there can't be anything hung up about you. So he takes care of it. He doesn't expect you to do that. He took care of it in Christ. When Christ took the cross, he took all your sins, past, present, and future. On himself. And it says, John the, the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who. He, he what? Takes away. In Isaiah it says, God put them behind his back. What can you see behind your back? Only if you're a mother, you have eyes behind your head, you know, then, <laughs> then you see stuff. I don't know how you do that, but, you know. God puts it behind his back. It's as far as the east is from the west. It's removed. It's done. If he's taken away, why are you thinking about it? Why are you making an issue what he's already dealt with? It's done. There is now no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. So the next time you're feeling guilty about something, yeah, confess it to Christ. Sure. Take a minute, but then think about him. The man said at the conference, we spend so much time being sin conscious, we need to be sun conscious. This is what Jesus has done for me. Now, I'm, I'm a son. It's just as if I never sinned. That's how God sees me. Just as if I never sinned. Now, if you know me, you know that I did that once. <coughs> 
Maybe, but most of you weren't there for that one time. <laughs> but you, so you, you, this is what I'm saying about how you see yourself. You see yourself. You know yourself better than anybody. You know the mistakes you made. You know the desires that are in your heart. But this is what God wants to do, to take you and give you a new nature. Take away those old desires and give you a new heart so that you want new things. And in Christ, you're a new creation. All the old stuff is gone. And the new has come. And so now you begin to look for the new and identify yourself with the new. So you say, I am a new creation in Christ. There is no condemnation for me. I, he has made me a son. First John 1, uh, 3, verse 1. How awesome the love of God is that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are, children of God, joint heirs with Christ. We're, Jesus is my brother. I just went to Colorado to visit with two earthly brothers. And uh, we did some, a lot of golfing. We called it the Bro-Am, just the three of us. Uh, it's, it's really, we try to do it once a year. And this year my brother hosted in, um, in Colorado. And uh, he had this great place in the mountains. And one of his uh, friends has a condo in Winter Park. If you've been to Winter Park, it's just beautiful any time of year. Anyway. We didn't have to pay for that, and we just went on this, this golf course. And we, we chummed around playing golf. And uh, at lunch, the waitress could tell that we were brothers. I, I, I of course, am the ugliest, but all my other brothers look very handsome. And uh, so uh, they just knew. You know, we look alike. So Jesus is meant... Uh, to, is, as my brother, I am meant to begin to look like him. Now, before God, is there any fault with Jesus? There's none, right? He, what kind of standing does he have with God the Father? Total, total approval. Love, love, love. I'm his brother. I got the same treatment. And so do you, before God. God loves you so much, and you have the same standing. Ephesians 2 says that we have been raised up together with Christ, and that's where we are. That's where we begin our life. So if I'm going to be looking like Jesus, then not only am I going to be acting like him, but I believe I'm going to be doing the things that Jesus did. Not in my own strength. It's because he's here inside of me. He's living within me. And this, is, uh, this was the challenge of that awesome conference that we were at, Power and Love. God lives in us. God, it's all about how much he loves us. And we can share that love with other people. So we would, uh, they would encourage us to go walk up to somebody and just kind of like I did with Blake, to, to speak something encouraging into his life. Or if someone who was sick, they had someone who was uh, all sorts of ailments they would see in the street and they would go and pray for them and uh, that God would heal them. And I, I led worship at this conference, so I didn't really get into it as much, but everybody else was going out and praying for people, coming back with their stories of how they were in Ruby Tuesdays, praying for the waitress who couldn't quite reach her elbow, and then they pr- prayed, reach her arm up overhead. They prayed for her shoulder, and then um, she's able to lift her whole hands the whole way like this to reach to the top shelf, and all sorts of miracles and stories like that. So I didn't get to play that week, or I chose not to play. So after it was all over, 
I said to the, to the Lord, you know what? On, on, this was on, it ended Saturday. I said, on Sunday, if I have an opportunity to play, if I see anybody in a need, I'm going to offer to pray for them right there. Not just in my heart, out loud with them. So I was getting ready for this bro-am in Colorado, so I went to go golfing at Western Hills in Waterbury. I went with Dave for first nine holes. He left me, he bought a cart. I was able to keep the cart. I picked up this guy in my cart for the second nine, and we're riding around and we're talking. I said, okay, I think I'm pretty safe because, you know, there's not too many people that limp or have a sling or on the golf course, you know. I think I'm pretty safe out here. So we're, we're talking around, and it's, the tempo of the play is fairly slow because you have to wait for the people in front of you. So we get a lot of chance to chat. And then there's this one guy named Jim. And in the course of conversation, he goes, yeah, I have diabetes. I can't do as much as I can, and he's eating an apple. And I said to myself, oh, <laughs> diabetes. And at the conference, just on that Friday night, they invited people with all sorts of blood diseases to come forward because the blood of Christ is pure. And that's what bought us. And there's power in the blood of Christ. And uh, they prayed for all sorts of people. So, you know, we're in a foursome. And Jim is not riding with me in the cart. If he was riding, it would have been easier. But I got a guy in the cart. So I say to God... Okay, you know, you're going to have to work this out. I said I would do it, and uh, I, I want to pray for him, but I, I need a moment. So, and I'm the kind of guy, honestly, that I would chicken out if it doesn't happen. You know, so I'm saying, I'm got, I've got to do this. So on the seventh hole of Western Hills, the guy that's in my cart gets up to drive, and he drives the ball, and it goes, Whoo! way off to the right in the next fairway. I hit a drive, luckily, in the center of the fairway. And we go down to his ball, and he says, you know what? I'm just going to walk. I'll get some clubs, and I'll walk. I'll meet you up at the green. (laughs) Cool. So he's out of the cart. I got the cart to myself. I go up to to Jim, the other guy who's waiting to hit. So I go, say, you know, Jim, I was just at this conference, and this might sound crazy, but I was at this conference where a lot of people were prayed for with blood diseases, and they got healings. And the prayers are really simple. It's just that God loves you and the pray for healing in Jesus' name. You know what he said? I've heard about that. I've heard about Jesus and his disciples doing the same thing that he did. You know, it seems like everywhere I go, I'm meeting a Christian. And I said, Jim, see, God really loves you. He's at, he wants you to know him. And so... Um, it's time for him to hit. I don't have time to pray for him because it's time for him to hit. And, you know, if golf, you can't hold up the game of golf. you got to play. So we finished that hole. And it was funny. That hole, I had two great shots. And then I talked to him. And I am so excited. And my next shot, I sculled into the sand trap. Then I had two shots to get out of the sand trap. I was playing good before that, but I was just too excited. So then on the next hole, we all drive, right? And then I drop my, the guy in my cart at his ball because we have to wait. I go back to where Jim is. And uh, he hits, and then the other two guys are getting ready to hit. They're in front of us, so it's so perfect. Here we are behind. They're getting ready to hit. They won't even know. So I say, Jim, let me pray for you. I got out of the cart, and I say, Jim, God really loves you. And I said, Father God, thank you for your love for Jim, and I pray that you would heal him right right now and diabetes get out of his body in Jesus' name. That was it. He extends his hand to me and says, Thank you very much.
you're doing your job. He parred that hole. I think that's a sign. That's how I'm taking it. I mean, you should have seen him play before, and he pars that hole. I mean, it's... But that's, I think, that's what we're supposed to do. Just share the love of God and have, have courage. Because there is a guy who, I think, obviously, God is working in his life. And I'm just another seed to bring him along a little farther. I don't have to do the whole thing. I just got to show him the love of God there. And that's what I did. And, and that's what we're called to do. That's who we are. That's our identity in Christ. We're, we're like Jesus in the world both in how we, we reflect his likeness and in the things we do. And don't let that be robbed from you. There is more joy in doing those things than you'll find it anywhere else. You know, you, we look for joy by experiencing things, taking th- I, I love a good meal, you know, I love a good experience. You know, if something happens to us, it's consuming. And, but that is so momentary joy. There is so much more eternal joy when you're outward focused and looking at others and doing it for them and doing it in the name of God. That's when you have real joy. And uh, my sense here in this crowd today is that a lot of us are wrapped up in what we can get in our life. And you know what? You won't be satisfied. You won't, you won't be satisfied with that. You were made for another purpose, a higher purpose. God wants to give you everything you need himself so that you could be others-focused. And then you'll find meaning and satisfaction in your life that you just won't find anywhere else. uh, It's hot, so we're going to close with a song. We're going to ask the worship team to come back up. And Mark, you're probably going to have to adjust this thing again. Um, But, John, you're going to do that? All right, thanks.